Hello and welcome to the podcast, English for Life in the UK. This podcast is for those people who want to improve their English by listening to native English speakers talking about a range of subjects. This is our last episode for a while as we are taking a break over the summer period, but we'll be back in the autumn. Today's episode is focused on the school system in the United Kingdom. Well, there are three of us on, the, on this podcast talking about our own experiences of the system and explaining a little bit about it. This podcast is brought to you by volunteers from the St. Augustine's Centre in Halifax, Yorkshire, where we support, in particular, those people seeking asylum and refugees. If you want to know more about our work and also to get the transcript for this episode of the podcast and find out about other episodes as well, you can do that on our website. Details of this are available at the end of the episode. Uh, Today we're going to talk a bit about the school system in the United Kingdom. Um, I'm delighted to say, first of all, I'm joined by Sheena, who has been on the podcast before, but not for a little while. Hello, Sheena. How are you? Hello, Mark. I'm fine. Thank you. A little bit later, we're going to be joined by Sarah uh, as well. But Sheena and I are going to start things off by just talking in very general terms about the way the school system works, particularly for those of you who are not based in, in the United Kingdom. Um, So I'll start by just saying, I mean, broadly, we have uh, what we would call nursery or preschool. That tends to be for children up to the age of four or five. And then at that stage, they would start what we would call primary school. Uh, After primary school, they would go to secondary school. And beyond secondary school, there are different kinds of college universities of that sort. So that's broadly that structure there. But within that, we've also got something we call key stages. Um, Sheena, do you want to just explain a little bit about what they are? Yes, Mark. Um, So key stage one is in primary school, and that's for children who are aged between five and seven. And we call that year one and two. Uh, Key stage two is still primary school, and that's for the seven to 11-year-olds, and those are year three, year four, year five, and then in year six, they finish primary school and go to secondary school. In secondary school, we start key stage three when pupils are 11, and that lasts until they are 14. And then the last stage of many secondary schools is key stage four. And that's for pupils from 14 to 16. And that's when they do their GCSE mark. <laughs> tell, us, tell us what GCSEs are, Sheena. Well, they are, the, they are national exams that all pupils take uh, in different subjects. 
some subjects are compulsory like maths, English and science, and then other subjects, humanities, history and geography um, can be taken and then maybe more creative subjects as well. Okay. And then after the GCSE stage, if people sometimes will stay on in schools, sometimes go to colleges, and that's they, where they would do what we call A-levels, advanced level studies. Um, and that's what you need for entry into university or higher education. So that's the broad structure. I think maybe we should just say something about private and public schools which is quite, I always think, quite a complicated and difficult one for people who are not used to the, the, uh, the, the British system. So the vast majority of children will go to what we would call state schools. That means they are funded by the government, that they are free for the, the, the children and the parents. Um, and something like i think it's around 92% 93% of children will go to that type of school it's usually their local school although they do have choice parents have choice within a local area for different schools um but those are all what we would call state schools there are then private schools which very confusingly are called public schools that's just a historic thing in this country. But if you hear about people talk about public, a public school in the United Kingdom, it actually means a private school. It's a school where you have to pay fees to go to it. And there are a range of these uh, uh, public schools, schools where you have to pay fees. I hope that's not conf too confusing for listeners. I hope that's helped a bit. We're going to go on and talk a little bit about our own personal experiences. Um, Sarah's going to join us on this a bit later, but we'll start first of all. Sheena. Uh, as a teacher, Mark, I taught only in secondary schools. So the um, key stage three and key stage four. Although when I started teaching, we didn't have key stages. There was, there was something that came along, I think, in the 90s with a, a national curriculum. So we didn't even have a national curriculum when I started secondary school. It was uh, different schools could teach different, different things in their curriculum. So that changed a lot when I was at school. My main subject was English. That was my first subject. And that's, that's something that I really enjoyed teaching. And it did change a lot in the 32 years that I taught English. And then I also taught media studies. So I, the English was hard work with lots of marking and lots of exam preparation. But media studies was really enjoyable to teach because it was more creative. So we could make films and radios and podcasts and things like that. So that was, that was, that was a little bit of light relief and fun for the staff and the pupils. Tell us a little bit about what those two different bits of the of the English curriculum would be about. English language, you would study the use of English and you would write your own stories and maybe your own poetry and things like that in the English. And you would study much more so now 
more analyzing language and the way that it's used. And literature uh, is the study of plays, novels and poetry. And throughout both key stages, most pupils will do both of those subjects. Right, well, we've just been joined by my ex-colleague, Sarah Hinckley, who we worked together for, I think, at least 10 years, do you, Sarah? Something like that. And I mentioned that in our secondary school in Manchester, we taught English language, English literature and media studies. Can you tell us where you're joining us from now, Sarah? You're no longer in Manchester. Where are you now? Hi, thanks for inviting me on. Um, I am now uh, moved from Manchester up to where I actually was born and grew up, which is in the Eden Valley in Cumbria. Um, I'm at a school called Samuel King's, which is in Alston. So it's in the Pennines, just very close to Penrith and on the way to the northeast. Small market town. Right, that's interesting. And can you tell us a bit about your school then? Because the um, secondary school we worked in in Manchester had maybe an average um, population of children, which is about 1,200 for most secondary schools in this country now. How many do you have in your secondary school? Unbelievably, around about 86 pupils in the secondary school. Wow. Mark, have you ever heard of a secondary school with 86 pupils? Well, I have actually, and I've actually worked with one or two very small secondary schools, but it is quite unusual. Sarah, can you tell us how, how the difference between working in a large secondary school and your experience of, is it nearly two years now? Yeah, so, yeah we moved, I moved in the middle of the pandemic. So my first experience was interesting in that I actually came for a tour of the school um, before I applied for a job here. But as I was about to begin my contract, um, the first day of my teaching, which started in January last year, um, the lockdown hit. And actually, I began my teaching job at the school on Zoom, via Zoom. So met the staff via Zoom, met my students via Zoom, um, which was a very unusual way to begin a job and quite challenging, I have to say. Um, but it, it weirdly had its benefits. I think what happened was I actually got to know the students really well who were coming on Zoom and having that learning experience. Um, and when they did put their videos on and their cameras on, that made it even better. But sometimes they were a bit reluctant. So, But, you know, the positive was that I did get to know some of them extremely well. And when I did eventually come in face to face to start the face to face learning, um, it was just brilliant to actually, as it was for anyone, anyone in education, to actually get back into the classroom and, um, and you know, really get to grips with what I was doing. And at the time, I was teaching various subjects as well. So that's been a challenge up here. Um, it's a bit like teaching in a primary school in that if you're a secondary teacher here, you sort of need to be teaching more than one subject. So I have I started off by te- teaching uh, catering, a little bit of English, which is my specialism. Um, careers, citizenship and RE. Um, I then did some TAing, so I've taught, I've TA'd in science and maths quite a lot. So it's been, it's been great actually to see um, how different subjects are taught, how different teachers teach. Sarah, sorry to interrupt, can you yeah. explain what TA is? Yeah, so a TA is a teaching assistant. Um, really important role in my view. 
because you really this is where you really are getting to know the students one-to-one and you're really supporting the students who have some kind of special need of some kind um, and you can you know really one-to-one help them and get to know them um, and it really made me understand actually the role of a TA um, and just how integral and pivotal they are in the classroom in terms of you know supporting the learning um, of students so I really enjoyed that experience um, and I'm glad that I got that opportunity. If I can just explain a little bit more for people not familiar with the system in this country so Uh, Schools will have teachers who have to have a teaching qualification specifically, but schools increasingly recently have also employed quite a number of people who usually have the title teaching assistant. Um, And they also have to have qualifications, but not at the same level as the qualification of a teacher. And very often, not always, but very often a teaching assistant is working more closely, either with an individual student or groups of students and helping out the, the main teacher in, in that classroom situation. Sarah, I'm, I'm interested, what, what do you enjoy most about your, your job in that school? I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be in that school ge- generally. I mean, your, ex- your, your career to date is, uh, in terms of uh, the education system, what are the things you most value and enjoy out of it? And what would you say are some of the major challenges that you face? I think the things that I enjoy are really opening opportunities up for young people. Um, I think I've worked in two schools now, one in Manchester with Sheena and now in Cumbria, where um, there are some challenges there in terms of pupils or young people really knowing their communities and, and really valuing where they live, but also just really wanting to have that opportunity to see beyond that. Um, so I think what a lot of my work really, I feel, has been has been about, you know, even in class discussion or, you know, what's going around on in the world and understanding um, where we fit as citizens of the world um, and just kind of taking them places and, and, and getting them to experience things. We went on a recent trip to see a writer at Hexham Book Festival. You know, it doesn't have to be far, but just getting out there and really enriching the lives of young people. Um, I think that's a really big part of it. And also just my love of teaching English, you know, and sharing that uh, passion for reading um, and for teaching various uh, literature texts and um, just, yeah, imparting that knowledge and just seeing seeing those who love it, seeing how much they can achieve and what they go on to do as well. You know, some young people will come back and see you and they've been to university and they're doing all kinds of wonderful degrees and being so successful and you think that you've played a part in that. And um, so I think that's those are the biggest sort of things that I love. And in terms of the challenges, it's the same idea, really. It's the um, do you open up those opportunities for young people and um, how can you sort of... Uh, get them to understand that it is important to to reach beyond what they know and to know that little bit, little bit more and to open up their eyes and expand their horizons. It sounds very cliche, but I think it's it can be really powerful. And so it's finding ways. And I love that challenge. I love that challenge. So a lot of what I've done here at Alston is actually been about building community links. And I've ended up teaching careers, like I said, and I organised um, 20 work experience placements for year 10, you know, so I've I've helped those young people get out into employment for a week and um, and I think they've really loved it, you know. So I'm really looking forward to building on lots more ideas. In fact, today I've been at another school that I used to go to um, in Penrith, um, Ullsworth Community College in Penrith. And we spent the day in their library looking at ideas for building love of reading and how to make your library 
um, an exciting place to be. So it's just every day is exciting. Every day is different at the moment. <laughs> yeah. That's great, Sarah. Thanks ever so much. She- Sheena, what about you? Well, I think probably very much in the same way as, as Sarah has explained, because even though we worked in Manchester, the community we worked with was really a little bit isolated. So we we did lots of things there to um, either bring writers and poets and people from elsewhere into the school or, as Sarah has been on many, many trips with me as well, taking the children out of school, which which is really very difficult these days. It can be, but it's always worth it in the end. Um, so just the relief when things go well and the absolute relief when pupils who've worked really, really hard for their exams do pass those exams. And even if they are not going on to teach English, at least you know they can do what they want. Even if it's science or anything, they can do what they want because without English and often without maths now, it's not possible to progress to a higher level. So uh, probably a lot of it was curriculum change and assessment changing that you, you, you found texts, as Sarah said, texts that the children enjoyed, you enjoyed, you really felt they were you know worth teaching and then there may be a change of government or a change of a curriculum oh and you had to adapt start all over again start with new resources and start teaching different literature but we always managed and i'd just like to say not just because sarah's here one of the other great things about teaching is that teaching in a team and being able to work with young people like Sarah and other people to um, make things happen. So Sarah, even though we have worked together and I, I have worked with Mark at St. Augustine's, I didn't know Mark in his former career as a teacher. I don't know which key stage um, Mark worked in, how he started teaching, why he started teaching. So. That's just what I'd like to know now, Mark, from you, how it all started. And again, the challenges and the rewards of your career. I think it's important to say how much the support from the authority and from people like you, how helpful that support was when we had challenges in school and when we, you know, when we had curriculum changes. Very, very important for classroom teachers to have that support from outside. Well, my career was a bit different, Sheena. I started off as a teacher in a secondary school, a comprehensive school in London, and then later taught here up in Yorkshire. Uh, I was a teacher of history and humanities. Uh, uh, But after about 10 years of teaching, I went to work for the local authority, that is the local government area, supporting schools and teachers. From there, I went on to uh, become a director of education. So I was responsible for the schools in a local government area. And I did that in two parts of the north of England. And then later on in my career, I worked on some projects nationally around the curriculum 
and also around supporting and developing uh, head teachers, those people responsible for running the schools in this country. So it was a different kind of experience. Um, I still remember very fondly uh, the direct teaching and that's why I have recently come back uh, since retirement and volunteered to do some teaching to uh, teaching of English to uh, our uh, members at the St. Augustine Centre. Um, and I still value uh, that opportunity to help people to learn, to develop, to grow as individuals and to become active citizens. I suppose the biggest challenges I faced, particularly in that second part of my career, was how do you uh, help schools that are struggling to get better? Um, and sadly, we still have a situation where there are significant inequalities between different areas of the country and there are inequalities between different schools. And part of my role was to try to help those schools, particularly those facing the most challenges, to actually uh, improve and to offer the very best opportunities to the young people in those schools. Well, that's it for this week. Um, my thanks to Sheena and to Sarah for sharing their experiences of the school system. I hope you found that useful. Language support. This is the part of the podcast where I choose some words or phrases from the episode and explain them. Just two short ones this week, two short pieces of vocabulary. Uh, when Sarah was talking about her experience, she, she was talking about how she organised work experience placements for her students. Uh, I suppose this probably is quite obvious, but just to explain, most schools at some stage will give an opportunity for some of their older students to go and spend some time in a workplace. It can be the full range, it can be in a factory, in an office situation, it can be uh, on a farm, absolutely anything. But the students will go and spend perhaps a week, sometimes two weeks, in that work setting and it's to help them to get used to the idea of the world of work um, and very often as well there will be some uh, activities and exercises built around that experience to help the students to learn from that experience. Secondly when I was talking about my own uh, background. I said I taught in a comprehensive school. That's another phrase which we hadn't used before in this episode and normally when we talk about a comprehensive school in Britain we are talking about first of all a secondary school but in particular a secondary school that serves the full range of abilities. 
So it, it doesn't specialise, for example, as some schools do in pupils that are higher attaining, those who are going to go on and do the highest level of qualifications, um, nor is it a special school which might focus on pupils with particular needs. A comprehensive school will work with pupils of all abilities from all kinds of backgrounds. And that is the most common type of secondary school in the United Kingdom. Well, that's it. I hope you found this a useful episode. If you want to find out more about our work, please go to our website, www.staugustinecentrehalifax.com org.uk and in that address the saint is abbreviated to just st uh, this is our last episode for a while we're taking a break over the summer but we plan to be back in the autumn we'd love your feedback on what you find most useful and what you would find helpful in our next season of the podcast until then, wherever you are listening to this, uh, stay safe and keep practising your English. And if you do feel able to support our work in any way, you will find ways to do that on our website. Goodbye for now. Welcome to the podcast English for Life in the UK. This podcast is for those people who want to improve their English and at the same time learn more about life in this country. In this new series, we are doing shorter episodes using some of the same topics or subjects that we have talked about before. These will be shorter and we hope a little easier for people to understand. If you find this, if you want to take this further, then you can go on and listen to the longer episode about the same subject. Today I'm going to talk about the school system in the United Kingdom, particularly in England, as it does vary in different parts of the UK. For children after birth and up to the age of three, Many parents use some form of what is usually called child care. Between the ages of three and five, children may go to a nursery school, sometimes also called a preschool. That is, it comes before the main school. Children then start primary school at the age of four or five and stay in primary school until they are 11 years old. At this point, they 
move to a secondary school and they stay there between the ages of 11 and 16 or sometimes up to 18 or 19 years old. At the age of 16 most children will take examinations which are called GCSEs. That stands for General Certificate of Secondary Education. And there are different examinations for each subject. There are many subjects, but the main ones are English, Maths, Science, History, Geography, Languages, and the most common languages taught in English schools are French, German and Spanish. Then there are technology subjects and also sport or what is called physical education, PE for short. At the age of 16 many children stay in school and go into what is known as the sixth form for two years. Some of them will go to college at this stage and they will take either A-levels, that's advanced levels in individual subjects, or they will do what are known as vocational qualifications, that is those that are linked to particular skills and often to particular types of work. After school many children will continue to colleges and to universities. It is important to One other thing to say about the school system is that between the ages of 5 and 16, education is free. Parents do not have to pay for their children to go to school. There are, however, some schools where you can pay fees to go to a different... No, I don't like any of that. Most schools between the ages of 5 and 18 are run by the government, either locally or nationally, and they are often called state schools or community schools. And they are free, so parents do not have to pay for their children's education. There are, however, some schools that you can pay for. These are sometimes called private schools or independent schools, but also confusingly are sometimes called public schools. They are fee paying. You pay fees for the children to go there. The parents have to pay, in some cases, several thousand pounds 
there are different types of these private schools from very well-known and high-status schools such as Eton and Harrow to ones that are less well-known. But it is only a small number of children who go to these schools and well over 90% of children will go to the state or government schools which as I say are free for for the, <clears throat> oh, for, I don't like any of that, I haven't done that very well at all. Let's have another go. The vast majority of pupils will go to schools that are government funded. So they are free to the parents and the children. They are often called state schools or community schools. It is possible to pay to go to some other schools which are sometimes called private schools or independent schools and also, confusingly, public schools. These are the ones though that you have to pay fees for and it is only a very small minority of children who go to these schools. The teaching in schools in England varies, but one of the characteristics, one of the, uh, one of the, the style of teaching will vary between different schools and different parts of the country. But in England it is quite common for there to be a style of teaching which encourages the pupils, the students, to become actively involved in their own learning. That means they have to do some of the finding out, the experiments, they develop the skills of learning, as well as being taught directly by the teachers. England has a proud tradition of education and it is usually regarded as one of the best countries in the world for its education system. I hope that's given you a short overview, that is a summary, of the school system in England. If you want to find out more and listen to a longer episode on this subject, you will find this in episode number X. Hello and welcome to the podcast English for Life in the UK. This podcast is for those people who want to improve their English and at the same time learn more about life in this country. In this new series, we are doing shorter episodes. 
using some of the same topics or subjects that we have talked about before. These will be shorter and we hope a little easier for people to understand. If you find this, if you want to take this further, then you can go on and listen to the longer episode about the same subject. Today I'm going to talk about the school system in the United Kingdom, particularly in England, as it does vary in different parts of the UK. For children after birth and up to the age of three, many parents use some form of what is usually called child care. Between the ages of three and five, children may go to a nursery school, sometimes also called a preschool, that is, it comes before the main school. Children then start primary school at the age of four or five and stay in primary school until they are 11 years old. At this point they move to a secondary school and they stay there between the ages of 11 and 16 or sometimes up to 18 or 19 years old. At the age of 16 most children will take examinations which are called GCSEs. That stands for General Certificate of Secondary Education and there are different examinations for each subject. There are many subjects but the main ones are English, Maths, Science, History, Geography, Languages and the most common languages taught in English schools are French, German and Spanish. Then there are Technology subjects and also sport or what is called physical education, PE for short. At the age of 16 many children stay in school and go into what is known as the sixth form for two years. Some of them will go to college at this stage and they will take either A-levels, that's advanced levels in individual subjects, or they will do what are known as vocational qualifications, that is those that are linked to particular skills and often to particular types of work. After school, many children will continue to colleges and to universities. It is important to... 
One other thing to say about the school system is that between the ages of 5 and 16, education is free. Parents do not have to pay for their children to go to school. There are, however, some schools where you can pay fees to go to a different... I don't like any of that. I'll have to edit that bit out. Okay. Most schools between the ages of 5 and 18 are run by the government, either locally or nationally, and they are often called state schools or community schools. And they are free, so parents do not have to pay for their children's education. There are, however, some schools that you can pay for. These are sometimes called private schools or independent schools, but also confusingly are sometimes called public schools. They are fee paying. You pay fees for the children to go there. The parents have to pay, in some cases, several thousand pounds. There are different types of these private schools from very well-known and high-status schools, such as Eton and Harrow, to ones that are less well-known. But it is only a small number of children who go to these schools, and well over 90% of children will go to the state or government schools, which, as I say, are free for for the, <clears throat> oh, for, I don't like any of that, I haven't done that very well at all. Let's have another go. The vast majority of pupils will go to schools that are government funded. So they are free to the parents and the children. They are often called state schools or community schools. It is possible to pay to go to some other schools, which are sometimes called private schools or independent schools, and also, confusingly, public schools. These are the ones, though, that you have to pay fees for. And it is only a very small minority of children who go to these schools. The teaching in schools in England varies, but one of the characteristics, one of the, uh, one of the, The style of teaching will vary between different schools and different parts of the country. But in England it is quite common for there to be a style of teaching which encourages the pupils, the students, 
to become actively involved in their own learning. That means they have to do some of the finding out, the experiments. They develop the skills of learning, as well as being taught directly by the teachers. England has a proud tradition of education and it is usually regarded as one of the best countries in the world for its education system. I hope that's given you a short overview, that is a summary, of the school system in England. If you want to find out more and listen to a longer episode on this subject, you will find this in episode number X. Hello and welcome to the podcast English for Life in the UK. This podcast is for those people who want to improve their English and at the same time learn more about life in this country. In this new series, we are doing shorter episodes using some of the same topics or subjects that we have talked about before. These will be shorter and we hope a little easier for people to understand. If you find this if you want to take this further, then you can go on and listen to the longer episode about the same subject. Today I'm going to talk about the school system in the United Kingdom, particularly in England, as it does vary in different parts of the UK. For children after birth and up to the age of three, many parents use some form of what is usually called child care. Between the ages of three and five, children may go to a nursery school, sometimes also called a preschool, that is, it comes before the main school. Children then start primary school at the age of four or five and stay in primary school until they are 11 years old. At this point they move to a secondary school and they stay there between the ages of 11 and 16 or sometimes up to 18 or 19 years old. At the age of 16 most children will take examinations which are called GCSEs. That stands for General Certificate of Secondary Education and there are different examinations for each subject. 
There are many subjects, but the main ones are English, Maths, Science, History, Geography, Languages, and the most common languages taught in English schools are French, German and Spanish. Then there are technology subjects and also sport or what is called physical education, PE for short. At the age of 16, many children stay in school and go into what is known as the sixth form for two years. Some of them will go to college at this stage and they will take either A-levels, that's advanced levels in individual subjects, or they will do what are known as vocational qualifications, that is those that are linked to particular skills and often to particular types of work. After school many children will continue to colleges and to universities. It is important to One other thing to say about the school system is that between the ages of 5 and 16, education is free. Parents do not have to pay for their children to go to school. There are, however, some schools where you can pay fees to go to a different... I don't like any of that. Most schools between the ages of 5 and 18 are run by the government, either locally or nationally, and they are often called state schools or community schools. And they are free, so parents do not have to pay for their children's education. There are, however, some schools that you can pay for. These are sometimes called private schools or independent schools, but also confusingly are sometimes called public schools. They are fee paying. You pay fees for the children to go there. The parents have to pay, in some cases, several thousand pounds. There are different types of these private schools, from very well-known and high-status schools, such as Eton and Harrow, to ones that are less well-known. But it is only a small number of children who go to these schools, and well over 90% of children will go to the state or government schools, which, as I say, are free for, for the... <clears throat> I'll throw the... I don't like any of that. I haven't done that very well at all. 
Let's have another go. The vast majority of pupils will go to schools that are government funded. So they are free to the parents and the children. They are often called state schools or community schools. It is possible to pay to go to some other schools which are sometimes called private schools or independent schools and also, confusingly, public schools. These are the ones, though, that you have to pay fees for and it is only a very small minority of children who go to these schools. The teaching in schools in England varies, but one of the characteristics, one of the, uh, one of the, <laughs> the style of teaching will vary between different schools and different parts of the country. But in England, it is quite common for there to be a style of teaching which encourages the pupils, the students, to become actively involved in their own learning. That means they have to do some of the finding out, the experiments. They develop the skills of learning, as well as being taught directly by the teachers. England has a proud tradition of education and it is usually regarded as one of the best countries in the world for its education system. I hope that's given you a short overview, that is a summary, of the school system in England. If you want to find out more and listen to a longer episode on this subject, you will find this in episode number X. Hello and welcome to the podcast English for Life in the UK. This podcast is for those people who want to improve their English and at the same time learn more about life in this country. In this new series, we are doing shorter episodes using some of the same topics or subjects that we have talked about before. These will be shorter and we hope a little easier for people to understand. If you find this, if you want to take this further, then you can go on and listen to the longer episode about the same subject. Today I'm going to talk about the school system in the United Kingdom, particularly in England, as it does 
vary in different parts of the UK. For children after birth and up to the age of three, many parents use some form of what is usually called child care. Between the ages of three and five, children may go to a nursery school, sometimes also called a preschool, that is, it comes before the main school. Children then start primary school at the age of four or five and stay in primary school until they are 11 years old. At this point they move to a secondary school and they stay there between the ages of 11 and 16 or sometimes up to 18 or 19 years old. At the age of 16 most children will take examinations which are called GCSEs. That stands for General Certificate of Secondary Education. And there are different examinations for each subject. There are many subjects but the main ones are English, Maths, Science, History, Geography, Languages, and the most common languages taught in English schools are French, German and Spanish. Then there are technology subjects and also sport or what is called physical education, PE for short. At the age of 16, many children stay in school and go into what is known as the sixth form for two years. Some of them will go to college at this stage and they will take either A-levels, that's advanced levels in individual subjects, or they will do what are known as vocational qualifications, that is those that are linked to particular skills and often to particular types of work. After school many children will continue to colleges and to universities. It is important to One other thing to say about the school system is that between the ages of 5 and 16, education is free. Parents do not have to pay for their children to go to school. There are, however, some schools where you can pay fees to go to a different... I don't like any of that. Most schools 
between the ages of five and 18 are run by the government, either locally or nationally. And they are often called state schools or community schools. And they are free, so parents do not have to pay for their children's education. There are, however, some schools that you can pay for. These are sometimes called private schools or independent schools, but also confusingly are sometimes called public schools. They are fee paying. You pay fees for the children to go there. The parents have to pay, in some cases, several thousand pounds. There are different types of these private schools, from very well-known and high-status schools, such as Eton and Harrow, to ones that are less well-known. But it is only a small number of children who go to these schools, and well over 90% of children will go to the state or government schools, which, as I say, are free for, for the... <coughs> I'll throw the... I don't like any of that. I haven't done that very well at all. Let's have another go. The vast majority of pupils will go to schools that are government funded. So they are free to the parents and the children. They are often called state schools or community schools. It is possible to pay to go to some other schools which are sometimes called private schools or independent schools and also, confusingly, public schools. These are the ones, though, that you have to pay fees for and it is only a very small minority of children who go to these schools. The teaching in schools in England varies but one of the characteristics, one of the, uh, one of the, the style of teaching will vary between different schools and different parts of the country. But in England, it is quite common for there to be a style of teaching which encourages the pupils the students to become actively involved in their own learning. That means they have to do some of the finding out, the experiments. They develop the skills of learning as well as being taught directly by the teachers. England has a proud tradition of education and it is usually regarded as one of the best countries in the world for its education system.
I hope that's given you a short overview, that is a summary, of the school system in England. If you want to find out more and listen to a longer episode on this subject, you will find this in episode number X.